the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast. Welcome back to Bowl Season Daily, Tuesday, December 28th. And we have, as of this exact moment, a very juicy-looking slate. Uh, Coming off a day where we had just one bowl game on Monday, it's good as we get closer here to the college football playoff, to the New Year's Six, uh, to sort of the onslaught that is the bowl action around the 30th, 31st, and the 1st. Uh, we've got a nice little warm-up here. And uh, Tom Fernelli joining, as always, here for Bowl Season Daily. Let's let's just, first of all, say it's, it's great to be staring down five games, right? And it doesn't seem like we're holding our breath with any one of them, but we'll see. I'm scared to even mention the idea. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, let's, let's move through the day chronologically. First, uh, 12 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN to get you started with the Birmingham Bowl, Auburn and Houston. This is a, an Auburn team that has had the uh, off se- the kind of like initial offseason where you're eyeing the transfer portal. You're trying to see who's going to leave, who's not going to leave. Bo Nix, of course, going on to Oregon. Auburn still gets some good news on that front. Houston comes into this game, and I feel like, as we've mentioned on the podcast before, the presence of Dana Holgerson is going to entirely influence your expectations for the team. If Houston plays to its ceiling and Auburn plays – to its floor or expectations, this could be a massive win for Houston to be able to beat Auburn and SEC team. If Auburn plays anywhere close to uh, above average, I, I think that we do end up seeing the Tigers be able to get uh, a formidable win here. How do you, how do you end up seeing this game right now? It's hard to know, honestly, because we- Auburn's missing a lot of key people like, you know, Bo Nix has already transferred to Oregon to Sean Manning is transferring to Kentucky. Tank Bigsby is in the transfer portal, doesn't have a destination, but I don't think he's playing in this game. I haven't seen any indication that he will be They're without Roger McCreary, a cornerback. They're without linebackers, Kobe McClain. They're without another offensive lineman in Broderius Ham and then another offensive. Like they're missing a whole bunch of people whether it's for injuries transfer or doesn't auburn take that status that you talked about earlier on bowl season daily where there's some teams that when you lose all your ones you're like okay well those twos might okay (laughs) because i mean here's the thing like auburn's offensive line was already bad right true yes and now they're missing three offensive linemen so against a good defensive line for Houston, yeah. Houston doesn't have Marcus Jones, but like we're going to have Clayton tune. Like I'm expecting that we've got a little bit closer to our full complement of the team that you were in the regular season. Yeah. So, I mean, I locked up Auburn on the locks pod last week, but it's, it's the confidence in that pick is dissipated quickly. And it's also mostly based on the fact that, you know, Dana Holgerson in his career is just 
not giving a damn about bowl games. Like, like they, he's won two. He's one and seven against the spread. The only one that he covered was the big win over the Orange Bowl against Clemson, seventy to thirty-three. While he was at West Virginia, he typically approaches these things as preparation for next year. So, I don't know. It's if Auburn shows up and plays hard and plays well, I think they're probably going to win this game because while Houston is a talented team and it has a good defensive front, they're also going to be missing, you know, Marcus Jones, their defensive back, who's the best corner on the team. He's also their, you know, kick and punt returner. So he's a big part of what they do. And I just think that Auburn is the more talented overall team. So yeah, they can withstand those kind of losses, but I still don't know if they will be able to withstand the ones that they currently have. So this is a strange game. Plus the early start in Birmingham. It's like, I don't know how excited Auburn's going to be to be in this game. There are way too many questions, but it is a huge, it would be huge for Houston to win the game just from the perspective of saying we beat an SEC team. Yeah. And, you know, like a talented SEC team. Yeah, and this is a team that had a really good season. It lost, obviously, to Cincinnati in the conference championship game, but it also played a very easy schedule. So this would be a chance to give the Cougars, you know, to to pick up an actual kind of resume win, even though the resume will no longer be needed for this season. So I think Auburn wins, but I don't have a very high level of confidence in it. I'm... I have not done a study to like truly get into the Dana Holgerson and bowl games, but it is one of my favorite um, wrinkles that we have among the active head coaches right now. One of the mm-hmm. favorite notes about the postseason. I think that I've decided that he, someone like Dana Holgerson, who's an innovative offensive mind has plays and sheets in the book that he never gets to use. Yeah. I, I'd like to think I've never talked to him about this, but I'd like to think that that's part of it, that he's coming in. He's like, Oh yeah. You know that like idea that we, cooked up after like nine Red Bulls in the office of breaking down film. And we just, we, we never really got to call that play. I just, I got to see it. I, gotta, I really want to see it. And it's sort of that behavior patterned over time that has uh, led to the against the spread in straight up numbers. Um, all right, let's go 315. Also on ESPN, they've got us pretty much locked and loaded through the day. Uh, we got a Fox game coming up later. Oh. Air- Air Force and Louisville. Um, it is the first responder bowl from Dallas, Gerald Ford Stadium. That's SMU's stadium, yes. right? Yeah. That's it. Home of the Mustangs. Uh, as Air Force comes in, uh, Tom will let you know about cert- service academies and bowl games. Louisville, the very, very slight favorite here. This This has kind of the same sort of matchup stakes to me where you're looking at one team that, probably wished it wasn't six and six mm-hmm. and, and a group of five school that would love to be able to log a win against a power conference opponent in a bowl game. Yeah. And another thing that's great about this game is that compared to the other bowls, not really a whole lot of opt-outs to deal with. Like, yeah. Louisville, it's rece- leading receiver. Jordan Watkins has opted out, but as we'll talk about momentarily, Louisville is not exactly a team that throws the ball a lot anyway. So I feel like that's not a huge loss as far as the competitive nature of this game, because Louisville was better this year when Malik Cunningham and that rushing attack were going, and they're going up against an air force team that obviously is running a version of the option. So this could be like a two and a half hour to three hour bowl game, which could be fun, but it could also be a fun game too. And I'm interested in this one because for me, the key matchup here is obviously Air Force likes to run the ball. They're an option team. Louisville's rush defense has not been that good. It's not awful. 
not like awful. In success rate, it's pretty awful. They rank a hundred and something in success rate. But as far as like a play-by-play kind of deal and just, you know, the EPA and yardage allowed, it's just bad. It's not awful. But I think that that could obviously be a problem here. But I also think on the other side, Malik Cunningham is going to be a problem for this Air Force defense, which on the season has played pretty well, but it hasn't faced a ton of really, you know, electric quarterbacks like Malik Cunningham can be when he's on. So this should be a fun game. But like you kind of alluded to, just something to keep your eye on or something to keep track of is in bowl games since 2005, service academies are 20 and nine against the spread. They are 0-1 this year because Army did not cover against Mizzou. But you know what Army did do? One. It beat Mizzou. Exactly. Yeah. So it's I, I I think there's a very I think this is gonna be a fun game. Like it's a one and a half point spread. And I think that's about right because I think this is gonna be an entertaining affair. Probably not so many possessions because both teams will be running the ball a lot. The clock will be moving most of the time. And I think of the games today, this is this I think has the chance to be the quote unquote most exciting. I agree. I'm, I am very, very excited for this game. Louisville's defense is going to have, I mean, I, I gotta tell you going up against air force in Dallas in a bowl game Mm -hmm. on December 28th, Louisville defense. Gotta let you know. It's a good check Tuesday. (laughs) How badly do you want to deal with this? You know, because like talent, what you're right. I mean, I was just pulling up their numbers uh, as well. Like defense, rush defense. You're right. Not horrible, but not elite. And they're not not what you want to see going against the option team. And like, remember the beginning of the Ole Miss game at the start of the season, they were kind of getting diced up, but really Mm -hmm. they did a good job of settling down and getting into a little bit of a rhythm after halftime. This like going back to ceiling and floor, um, the ceiling of Louisville's defense is playing well against this Air Force team and giving Malik Cunningham the kind of game that he can manage along with the ground game, and they're not going to feel like they have to get into a shootout. But this could also, you know, even with limited possessions, we could see a lot of them end up in the end zone with both of these offenses, the way that they can move the ball. What's your read on the Satterfield situation? Because I have received direct messages from Louisville fans over the last week, multiple that are, they kind of seem to think that if Louisville loses this game, Satterfield might be fired and they might be able to pry Brom away from Purdue. I don't know how realistic that is, but I don't know. Do you think he's in trouble if they lose this game or do you think he's back next year no matter what? I think he is back next year, but he is in any head coach who doesn't uh, have like the unifying support of any one of your important factions that you're trying to please while mm. there's total upheaval at the university administrator and athletic director level, you're in trouble. I mean, just especially with that Jeff Brom possibility, which Louisville fans are putting together for the same reasons that, you know, you and I have talked about Jeff Brom, maybe even looking at Purdue and being like, this has been nice. Mm-hmm. We've, we've had some good times, Purdue. But I'm looking at the rest of this roster, and I'm looking at everybody who's leaving. I'm thinking now might be time to walk away from the table. Might be time to go to the old alma mater where I'm going to get a lot of you know leeway in fixing things. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that the Brom factor, like you can be as a Louisville fan, you can be unhappy with Satterfield, but I don't think that losing this game is a fireable offense. Doesn't mean it won't happen, though. I would think it'd be more Brom than the Bull. Well, I know at least two Louisville fans are hoping that they do lose for that to happen. 
Uh, moving on to 6.45 p.m. Eastern time, taking it to Memphis for the Liberty Bowl. Uh, as we mentioned on the Locks podcast, Mike Leach against Texas Tech is going to take a lot of the conversation here, but his current Mississippi State Bulldogs are nine-and-a-half-point favorites against the Red Raiders. I, it's got to be tough to trust this Texas Tech team in the midst of its coaching transition, right? Yeah, although I mean when Joey McGuire took over during the regular season, we saw kind of a, you know, like a a jolt of energy in them that week and they played well, they won. I just yeah, this is a weird game. I I'm trying to figure out if Mike Leach still really cares about like the whole revenge factor narrative that's going to be surrounding this one. I I think that all things being equal and all those crazy narratives aside, while Mississippi State was not terrific this year and it struggled at times in games where you were kind of like, why the hell are they struggling against this team? I feel like this should be an easy Mississippi State win as long as they show up ready to play. But they do have, you know, their their Charles Cross, who's the best player on their offensive line, will not be playing in the game. He's getting ready for the draft. So maybe that'll have an impact. But at the same time, the way the air raid works, I don't know. <laughs> like, I feel like if I'm if I, if there's any offense I'm willing to lose starters from, it's an air raid because they're not really supposed to be holding the ball that long to begin with. The way, especially in Mike Leach's offense, where it's a whole lot of short passes. So, I don't know if that'll have a huge impact. I don't think Texas Tech defensively is anything I'm really too worried about. So, yeah, I I think this is there's a decent chance this thing turns into a blowout. I'm right there with you. I think that for Texas Tech, which for the bowl game will be led by the recently hired Louisiana Tech head coach, Sonny Cumbie. Yeah. Sonny Cumbie, the interim head coach for this bowl game, already has another head coaching job. And I'm sure he's out there doing it for his brothers and everybody that they worked hard in the season for. And that good on you, Sonny. But get give me the intact coaching staff from the SEC on the other side of the field. Yeah, that's your thing too. Like, even if that is the case, like, nope, nobody can blame Sonny Cumbie if maybe he's spending a little more time worried about the job he's got to take over instead of the one he's leaving. I think that's just a natural thing for anybody in any line of work. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I I definitely lean Mississippi State's way there. Uh, that's six forty five p.m. Eastern time. We will also be oh, multiple screens on a bowl night. We're back, baby. Uh, UCLA and NC State, 8 o'clock kickoff on Fox from Petco Park. It's a pitcher's park. NC State minus two, over under around 60. You know I'm going to go baseball stadium under. But the, <laughs> for me, though, it I think NC State defensively was has been a very good team this year. And I while Dorian Thompson-Robinson had a good season, I don't think the UCLA offense as a whole is going to overwhelm me enough to think that NC State is going to get caught uh, playing out of its realm of what it can do. Yeah, it, I do think Louisville Air Force and the first responder bowl is going to be the best game of the day, but this is probably the second most likely game to be the best game of the day because I do think these are two good, not great teams, and they're also evenly matched. As you said, NC State's defense is very good. UCLA's offense has the explosive kind of factor to it that we could see. And then, again, another key thing, like that first responder bowl, not a whole lot of opt-out situation here. NC State, as far as I know, is not missing anybody. 
UCLA will, you know, uh, starting safety Quantrez Knight is getting ready for the NFL draft. So he won't be playing. He's a big, he's a big party at 71 tackles. So he's a big part of their defense. So they will miss him, but still, I think that's somebody you can replace. And I think that this is a good quarterback battle between DTR and Devin Leary. I just, there's, there's a lot about this game. That's really interesting to me. And I'm kind of looking forward to watching it and it, could be pretty fun and it'll be an interesting too and like a kind of style of clash is like because nc state i don't think like you know i i know danny is not well not even jokingly for danny has been calling the acc the conference of qbs but this is an nc state team with a good quarterback and some good receivers that i don't think a lot of people are too familiar with so it's it's a chance to tune in and get an idea of some of these guys who you know you might be seeing in the nfl here in the near future the um the way that UCLA's offense was able to roll it up late in the year also happened to be against Colorado, USC, and Cal. Yeah. I, I think I think that like the actual center of that UCLA offense might be a little bit closer to uh, what we saw earlier in the season. I think that this, it was very fortunate for Chip Kelly, especially as he was finding himself on the hot seat late in the year to catch Colorado, USC, and Cal as his final three opponents to be able to uh, to finish with eight wins on the season, a rivalry uh, victory, and uh, a, a spot here in this bowl game, which yes is one of the uh, one of the better bowl games in terms of what spot it's at. I I don't really see any big stakes either way for these teams. I think that for NC State, a win with everybody who's decided to come back for 2022 leads to like some hype that could lead to an early preseason ranking but congrats you don't get trophies for preseason rankings yeah Uh, ucla i I don't know where the stakes are for this like i don't think a loss does anything i don't think a win does anything i think i think is is always the case with a you know you want to end the year with a win just to leave everybody feeling good going into the next season and i think a loss you know considering you know, this is their first UCLA's first bowl game since 2017. USC just hired Lincoln Riley. While it might not be the reality, I think that just as you know, the vibes, if you're a UCLA fan watching what's happening at USC, getting kind of nervous, you'd be a lot happier if you finish this game with the season with a win going into next season than with a loss. But yeah, I don't really think there's anything really at stake. I know there was some talk about Chip Kelly taking the Oregon job, but from what I heard, Chip wasn't really all that interested in going back. He's happy where he is. So we'll see. Yeah, it was a I it wasn't just a conversation. Yeah. Like tr- like truly, like there wasn't we always say uh, no like, offer is made until it's the first offer. But no, we know that for real there is a pecking order to these things. And my read on that situation was that yeah, if Rob Mullins reached out to Chip Kelly, someone he knows very well, and they mm-hmm. talked about it, but it never moved beyond those initial conversations. Yeah, it was more like a respecting, you know, respect thing. Thanks for what you've done. Would you want to come back? Taking the phone call and not just blowing them off because, you know, there is that relationship there and you don't want to look like a jerk. Late night, bowl season after dark. Chase Field, Phoenix, Arizona. That is the site of the guaranteed rate bowl. West Virginia and Minnesota, Minnesota's got some good-looking threads for this game. Golden Gophers coming into the game after an 8-4 and four showing in the Big Ten. Uh, West Virginia coming in at 6-6. Six and six. Golden Gophers favored by 5 over under a 45. Um, <laughs> like, we know Minnesota will 
run and possess and play defense and you know just mm-hmm. grind its way through this game and and West Virginia kind of does that same thing too yeah they're very similar teams but there's a there's a storyline to this game that I didn't even think of that I came across it's like I wish I would have known last week before we did the lock spot or else I would have locked up Minnesota minus five we know that Mike Sanford, Minnesota's offensive coordinator this year, was fired. He's gone. Do you know who replaced him? For Minnesota? Know? Yeah. Do you know who's calling the plays for this game? Is it um is it a West Virginia assistant? Yeah, it's Kirk Sharaka. The wow. former the Bring former him back to Minnesota. Yeah, so he, he was... went Minnesota, Penn State, Penn State to West Virginia, because James Franklin fired him. Mm-hmm. So Shiraka was the offensive coordinator last at Minnesota in 2019 when they finished 11 and two had two great receivers and Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson had me putting Tanner Morgan in my mock, my early mock draft after that season, Shiraka then leaves, takes the Penn state job for a year. doesn't really work out. They move on separate and Shiraka ends up on West Virginia staff this season as an offensive analyst before Sanford is fired and Shiraka returns to Minnesota where he had his most success. And now Minnesota is playing West Virginia in a bowl game. So their offensive coordinator knows West Virginia's offense inside and out. He knows exactly what plays they're going to be running when they're going to be running. So he's going to be able to, they're going to know everything West Virginia's doing pre-snap. And also let's not forget Letty Brown, West Virginia's best player on offense, guy who led the team in rushing. He's also receiving turn out of the backfield, not playing in the game as he prepares for the NFL draft. Minnesota minus five. (laughs) So what you're saying is that BJ Fleck and his staff, if they had any inclination to, and I'm not going to speak to any allegations that have or have not been made about that coaching staff videotaping bowl practices. But even if <laughs> that was something that they were considering, they won't even need to, if they were to do it, to do that allegedly because they've already got all the answers to the test. Exactly. So <laughs> this is, yeah, this is, uh, I wish I'd known that. I I know it now, so I've I've got to bet it in real life, but it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, okay. And then plus, like, if you look at P.J. Fleck's history as a coach, his teams show up for bowl games, which really isn't a surprise considering P.J. Fleck is just a human can of Red Bull. So, like, they show up fired up, ready to play. I don't know how fired up West Virginia will be for this game. So, yeah, gophers. (laughs) Incredible. This is why you come to bowl season daily, because we are able to give you the most up-to-date insight and analysis and just be very transparent about the fact that sometimes the lock we made last Thursday is not going to be able to hold up through nope. seven days, not in this postseason, uh, the dumbest pandemic of all of our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Shout out to GP. Uh, he is Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Coming up later today uh, or right now, depending on uh, when you're getting a chance to listen to this, uh, we will have a college football playoff super preview. Danny Cannell, Bud Elliott jumping back in. The four of us breaking down both the Cotton Bowl and the Orange Bowl, Alabama, Cincinnati, Georgia, and Michigan. Uh, Key storylines, key matchups, pretty much everything but our locks, which will be coming up on Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern time if you want to watch the show live on YouTube.com slash cover three. Tom, thank you very much. Thank you.